podcast one production. Jenny Cooney has been a part of Hollywood for 30 years, reporting on all the Aussie stars, from Hoags to the Hemsworths, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie and beyond. This is Aussies in Hollywood. Geraldine Visnawathan is taking Hollywood by storm. The young actress from Newcastle landed a lead role in the 2018 comedy Blockers with John Senna and Leslie Mann. And she starred in two seasons of the TV series Miracle Workers with Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi. Now she's appearing opposite fellow Aussie Hugh Jackman in the HBO movie Bad Education. The film's based on a true story about a New York school superintendent, played by Hugh, who embezzles millions of dollars only to be brought down by a reporter from his own school newspaper, played by Geraldine. We caught up remotely during self-isolation, of course, on opposite sides of America, me in LA and Geraldine in upstate New York at the family home of her boyfriend, Miles Robbins, who just happens to also be the son of Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins. Here's Geraldine. So Geraldine, welcome to Aussies in Hollywood, our first remote Aussies in Hollywood. You're not in Hollywood, you're in upstate New York and isolating, right? How's that been for you? I'm upstate now. I've been up upstate at my boyfriend's parents' house for like almost three weeks. And um, yeah, it's just so much nicer um, to be out of the city and but yeah, it was it was crazy. I had just gotten an apartment in Brooklyn, like as the lockdown was happening, um, and it was just very scary and completely surreal. Very loud, lots of sirens, and it's also hard to you know, like it's hard to keep social distance walking around in New York. It's a lot of people in tiny apartments. So. Right. <laughs> and it's also weird because Bad Education is finally coming out here this week and so you're sort of in isolation for all of that, which would have been, you know, there would have probably been a premiere and there would have been loads of press and you and Hugh would have been hanging out. Yeah, we were supposed to go to Tribeca. Um, so, you know, it definitely is... It's a bit of a, a bummer. I think it's, it's just going to feel quite... <laughs> normal <laughs> um but we had a, a really fun premiere at um tiff last year so at least we got to come together and celebrate the film then you did it got such a great response i was in toronto and um, oh. it it got such an incredible response there and then there was a whole lot of buzz about the fact that it was sold to hbo after that were you excited that it was going to be on hbo i mean yeah hbo is it's really quite the the dream, you know, like it's just such a prestigious, I just, I love um, HBO film and TV. So um, that was really cool. And there was also, you know, the element of it was going to be only on streaming, which now has kind of worked out for the best. Um I'm glad I actually got to meet you in person quite some time ago when I moderated the Q&A for Blockers that we mm. did for Australians in Film in LA. That was a while ago and you have not stopped working since. Um, and you're so young, it's incredible the journey you've had. I mean, could we, can we go back to the start mm -hmm. and maybe you can talk a little bit about 
you know, your upbringing, how were you introduced to film and television and acting? Yeah, so for kindergarten, I auditioned for the Hunter School Performing Arts in Newcastle um, and, you know, went to that school my whole schooling life and uh, just did a lot of drama and got really into comedy and and doing um like really silly sketches with my friends at all the year assemblies and um yeah I feel like that was kind of a really fun way to make a piece and um I think I just found so much joy in that and um yeah and then that kind of just snowballed I guess and my family is quite creative and and fun we would um do these little short films together with our pets and very pure very wholesome <laughs> um and wait wait go back and tell me how how old were you and and what were these short films like well we've done I'd say like we've completed three and one of them you know we shot like we're from Newcastle and we uh live like close to the beach it's like a very beachy place and one we shot on the beach with our dog and our horse and I was dressed as a fairy we had the horse as a unicorn just you know just playtime just being real (laughs) real cute and uh, then my dad would go on iMovie and edit it and our neighbor guest starred in it (laughs) yeah (laughs) do you still have copies of these short films I think we do. They were online for a second and I've had to be like, you know, <laughs> I think we collectively were like, this is just a, a family memento. <laughs> we don't have to try and <laughs> get eyes on this. <laughs> <laughs> Your first starring roles in the opposite the family pets and your parents. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Got the bug. <laughs> so were you born and raised in Newcastle? Yeah. And your parents, were they, are they uh, immigrants from South India and Switzerland, right? That's right, yeah. My mum is from Switzerland and she um, moved to Australia when she met my dad, who is from, uh, yeah, he's South Indian, but he moved to Australia when he was six. So he grew up in Australia. So he feels pretty Aussie. And your mum? Yeah, she's from Switzerland. She moved to Australia when she met my dad, when she was like 20, around my age, basically. So she's still pretty Swiss. And, and uh, most years we, we go to Switzerland and we have lots of family there. And yeah, so it's a pretty uh, multicultural fam. We got a lot of situations going on. <laughs> I would imagine growing up in Newcastle, it, it, it's, it was difficult to be different, maybe. I don't know how, I mean, how multicultural Newcastle is. I mean, even for me growing up in Melbourne, it's a little bit better, but yeah, I, I wonder what that was like for you. Have you always sort of felt that you were different or that you fitted in or? Yeah, no, I definitely, um, I guess in primary school, it was very clear to me that I was the only non-white person at school, even throughout most of high school. Um, and I think it does just 
exacerbate that feeling that I think most of us have when we're going through school and our, you know, teen years. I think we can feel pretty othered, and I guess I just felt that to the different level. Um, but yeah, I always kind of, I think we as a as a family, especially because my mom was kind of new, like it, we didn't have family in Newcastle really, so. Um, I think we did kind of feel like outsiders a little bit, but I feel like we, we came <laughs> as a family came into our own throughout like high school years. So how did you end up in a, a performing arts school in Newcastle? I ended up there. My mum was doing a local production. She was in the chorus of Annie and she was like asking around what schools people recommend. And um, yeah, someone said she should go to the performing arts school. And I mean, I was five and just uh, apparently I pretended to walk a dog um, and just killed it, just uh, nailed it. So then that was that. Was that. So this was not somewhere you went after high school. This was something you did when as a as a separate thing to school this was kindergarten to year 12 this was um uh a school it's like in I know in Sydney in Newtown there's a performing arts school and this was kind of a similar thing where they just offered music and dance and and drama as well right Mm. right and then you moved to Sydney after you finished high school and um you were I think you were studying journalism weren't you yeah that's right I um <laughs> good choice to let go of that one Geraldine <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about it. I was like huh maybe I should have because you know with all this spare time I'm like I mean journalism something you can I mean at least just writing is something you can do from home pretty easily but um yeah so after my after high school in the sort of gap year I went to LA for six months and um as a kind of dipping my toes in seeing if I that's what I wanted to do and I figured out it was but then you know my visa ran out and I had to go back to Sydney so I figured I would just go to uni audition on the side and you know see how that goes and I was at UNSW doing international studies and journalism which was a five-year degree and very quickly was like Never mind. This is not what I want to do. <laughs> and uh, I figured that I would just give it my best shot and then give it the same amount of time, give it five years, and then decide if I, if I want to go back to uni then. But, um, yeah, very glad that I, I dropped out. It wasn't really my cup of tea. <laughs> so when you went to L.A., was that your first trip to L.A.? I think... Did you spend three months there when you were like 15? Yeah. Was that, could you tell, talk about that very first time you were in LA? Oh my God. It was fully just Miley Cyrus party in the USA. 100%. I mean, so exciting. Yeah. We, we took a family trip to LA and we went to Disneyland and um, I was doing like a teen workshop and, um, and was really into it. Um, so yeah, we found someone who was like, yeah, you're, well, I could get you a, a manager. 
Um, and we took their word for it and decided to go there for three months as a fam and uh, just live our little LA fantasy. It was it was really cool. I was doing workshops and it was, it was really, it was um, nice. And I think, you know, goes to show how supportive my parents are. And I think that they themselves have a lot of interest in, in this world. So <laughs> um, they were happy to, to come along for the ride. Wow. Three months is a good chunk of time. Yeah. We really uh, did it. And I got, manager and an agent which I don't you know I have different (laughs) a different manager now but um and I did these workshops and classes yeah is it true that you went to a that you stood outside the premiere of Bridesmaids oh yeah definitely tell me how that happened and what that was like yeah I found this website where you could find uh where premieres were happening and I saw that there was one for bridesmaids and I'm obsessed with Kristen Wiig and Chris O'Dowd and Rose Byrne and just the whole cast and I was like we have to go so we went to Westwood and we um stood outside that theater and we got t-shirts and we got to meet everyone and we got photos and autographs and I was like this is the best day of my life and then they gave they started handing out tickets and they led us into the premiere and it was just uh, yeah I mean wow (laughs) it was so so great it was so special and then it was just completely surreal that blockers premiered at the same theater and the same thing happened to people standing outside like you know they just hand out tickets and and let people into the screening so that's a true full circle moment feels pretty wow So that's amazing. So then suddenly you got to your 15 and and you and you met Kristen Wiig and Rose Byrne and all those yeah, guys. Yeah, I actually I don't think I met those guys. I got a photo with Chris O'Dowd, um which was huge because I'm a big fan of the IT crowd, a British show. And oh, and then there was you know other random <laughs> like people who weren't in the film but were there to support um I got a photo with Jane Lynch. Um some people from the office. It was just a, a wow. real like comedy crowd, and uh, saw Jack Black. Was very excited by that. It was crazy. So it must have been really exciting for you to that full circle moment when you're on the red carpet in the same yeah. theater, right? Yeah, it was really bizarre, and and my family was there too, which was really special. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just <laughs> what is life sometimes. <laughs> So you've talked about having done stand-up in Australia. Um, do you think what you learned in Australia has sort of helped you over here mm-hmm. and all the classes that you've taken? Yeah, when I was living in Sydney, I started doing stand-up and started doing sketch comedy with this group called Freudian Nip. It just felt really good because, you know, you can just go up on stage. You don't have to wait for anyone to tell you that you can do it. So um that was just, I think, really good for my work ethic and um, also confidence. Like you bomb on stage doing stand-up, suddenly auditions seem a lot less scary. <laughs> All that did definitely help in 
getting blockers. Like I was at the Melbourne Comedy Festival when I got the call that Kay Cannon wanted to to fly me over and meet. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a comedy. So she was really like interested in what I had had done and my stand-up. And I think she saw my sketches and yeah, I think that all kind of lended itself to each other. Now Blockers was the first audition, was it, that you ever you ever did or one of the first? No, I definitely was self-taping a lot from Sydney. Oh, for a I mean for a lead role. Oh, I mean it was the the first lead role that I got. But I mean not I mean it's an ensemble, but yeah, it was the, it was the first time that they were like they want to fly you over and and meet with you. Definitely. I love that movie. I think everybody who saw it loved it. It it really got everything right, you know, some of those movies that you you sort of get the the all the right ingredients and it just still doesn't work. This was like mm. the opposite, you know, of that. I wonder when were you nervous going in there knowing you were you were co-starring with John Senna and Leslie Mann and who's a great comedian yeah. herself? How how was it for you this kid from Sydney just rocking up and you know you're on top of the call mm-hmm. sheet with them. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely extremely intimidated and 100% certain that I would be recast within the first week or so. <laughs> like, I was just really taking it day by day. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was very daunting. But um, I guess the, the first scenes we had done, I, I guess most of my scenes are with the other girls, with Catherine and Gideon. And we just had a really, uh, we just clicked. We just got along really well. So it felt quite natural and, and easy to to work off them. And I think that definitely put me at ease. Um, but I'm, I'm still scared to talk to Wesley, man. I'm like such a big old fan. <laughs> Have you had a lot of those pinch me moments? Oh, yeah, all the time. Um, I think now that things have, you know, slowed down, a lot. Um, I feel like I've been thinking back on this this time and it's been, it just has felt like a, a whirlwind. Like, yeah, it's really surreal sometimes. And so when you got blockers, was that like you flew over there for blockers and then you stayed or or at what point did you sort of really make the commitment? Mm. I I did blockers and then went home and, and packed up my Sydney apartment and went back and then I stayed in Kay Cannon's guest house for about a month in LA and that's a nice place to be I know she's the best and we just had dinner and I very nonchalantly was like oh yeah I need to find a place to live she was like oh just have my guest house um she yeah I think it's really special that she was my my first director here. Um, she's so generous and really lifts up other women, which is so nice to see. I have people listening who don't know Kate Cannon. She's an incredible writer, 30 Rock, Pitch Perfect, mm-hmm. New Girl. Um, and this was her directorial debut as a woman too. So mm-hmm. it was great. And it was obviously Blockers was very much uh, kind of the – it's sort of one of those comedies that usually it's the boys who are looking to lose their virginity on prom night, but it happened to be it was about the girls trying mm-hmm. to lose their virginity on prom night. 
which was kind of fun mm -hmm. um, and must have made you guys feel really good that it was it was an unexpected role for you and, you know, probably for the other girls too. Yeah, I feel really lucky that that was my first movie here because it's a, it feels very, you know, classic, nostalgic comedy, but with the fresh perspective and um, a lot of great women at the forefront. And when did Miracle Workers come along? Was it right after that? Yeah, so when I was at Kay's house, I, um, I yeah, I got the audition for Miracle Workers and for this Netflix movie I did called The Package and this Apple TV Plus movie I did called Hala. That kind of all came at once. So back to back, I did package and then Hala and then Miracle Workers the first season wow yeah that's a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh and Hala was a big um hit at Sundance when it premiered mm. and that was a very unique role she was a Pakistani American Muslim girl it was sort of a coming of age drama um and you got so much love at Sundance for it mm -hmm. what was that experience like it was really incredible I mean I, that was my first Sundance and I felt very um it's definitely the most vulnerable I've been in a movie and and the most personal and revealing it's ever felt like we had the screening at Sundance and afterwards they were like okay you have to do a Q&A now and I just felt so like naked in front of all these people um because it's a very um I don't know. It's a very emotional film. So it was, but it, it felt, I was felt so grateful that it was so warmly received and yeah, we felt a lot of love and it really could have, I don't know, gone a different way. So um, that was really special. And then uh, Miracle Workers, which has just finished its second season, uh, could not be more different to anything else I've mm -hmm. seen you in especially even between seasons because the first season you're sort of, you know, working uh, working for God, sort of like a worker in heaven. Yeah. And the second season, Dark Ages, suddenly, uh, well, what's the name of your character is Alexandra Shitshoveler. That's right. <laughs> that says it all, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. The, the Shitshoveler shit family. Uh, yeah. I mean, we knew that it would be an anthology. Um, and that each season Simon would just take it to a new place and have us all switching roles and, and kind of dynamics with each other. Um, like the first season I was really paired up with Daniel Radcliffe. Um, and we were the, the angel workers in heaven. And then this season it was more, I, I got to work more closely with Steve Buscemi who played my dad, Eddie Shitshoveler. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it's it's so great. It doesn't feel like a, a normal, a typical TV show because each season we switch it up and we it's not like we're playing the same character for years and years. So it's a real treat, I'll say. It's a big commitment to make a TV show as well and you had all these movies happening. Are you specifically sort of curating the choices as you go or are you just... What are you basing everything on? Mm. The genre, the director, the, mm -hmm. you know, the role? I really um, just go off what I get excited about. 
um, and what I feel like. I mean, it always starts with the script and you get that kind of heart connection or um, inspired by the story or the character. And then I'm always wanting to work with great directors and writers. And, you know, it's it's a mixture of, of everything, but it really comes down to just instinctually what I want to do. Now, I heard you weren't really a Harry Potter fan, so... So yeah. Daniel Radcliffe was not that intimidating to you? <laughs> I really regret not having watched Harry Potter as a kid now because I could have been all over it like everyone else. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I just kind of missed it. I should revisit that actually in quarantine. I should watch all the Harry Potter movies. I'm sure I love them. But <laughs> I mean, I was definitely extremely nervous for the chemistry read with Daniel. I think that was kind of my that was my first chemistry read with someone who's already very established. I think my first chemistry read ever actually. Um, no, but I was very, I was very scared <laughs> and I absolutely, I mean, I knew who he was. <laughs> I wasn't like, Oh, what? Harry Potter? Is that, <laughs> that's what you, that's what you've done. Um, I definitely knew what he was about. But he's so he's so lovely and he's such a such a weirdo in the best way. Like he loves, you know, you've got your Swiss Army man, you got your he's done a bunch of wacky stuff as well as as Harry Potter. So I'm I'm a fan of that that stuff as well. And so when did bad education come along? Bad education came well, yeah, I guess so. 2018, I read the script and met with the writer, Mike Nikowski, who's really great and such a genius. And um, yeah, and then just auditioned. I think I did two auditions in New York and then we filmed it in Long Island in like November, I think. Was Hugh Jackman attached when you first heard about it? Yeah, I think the, I think, yeah, the whole cast was attached, like Allison and Ray the kind of the I think yeah those three were definitely attached for people who don't know much about the 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 movie I mean it's based on a true story that I I didn't know and probably not even a lot of Americans know Mm. that's it's an amazing story but the movie is kind of made in a way where it really minds the humor I think as well as just because it could have been so dour and Mm. serious you know if somebody else had told the story um can you talk a little bit about the story itself and who you play and, and what you thought about the story? Had you ever heard about it before? Well, no, I hadn't heard about it before, but I met with Mike and he he told me because he went to the school uh, and was a few years younger, but um, was in the student newspaper. But yeah, so it's, it's a, a true story about uh, an embezzlement scandal in a Long Island high school in the early 2000s, I think 2004. Um, <laughs> oh God, it's been a minute. But um, yeah, it's the story of Frank Tassone, who then is played by Hugh Jackman, who is the superintendent of the school. And he's very beloved by the community. He's very um, charismatic and supports the students. and. Uh, I think, you know, he he's seemingly responsible for the success of the school. Um, and then I play 
a character called Rachel, who is a student journalist, and she gets put on an assignment that, you know, is just a, a silly little piece um, about this skywalk that they're building in the school. And uh, Frank ends up kind of emboldening her and, and encouraging her to go deeper in the story and that you can you can really, that's not, you know, a journalist doesn't just think it's a puff piece. Like you got to be curious and, and get in there. So she does and she ends up uncovering that he and Pam Gluckin, played by Allison, um, have been you know, stealing taxpayer money from the school. And it's, and it becomes about, I mean, that's, that's a big truth for a, <laughs> a high school student to come across and uh, the decision to, to, re- to release that knowledge um, becomes Rachel's journey. Rachel was not an actual real person is that right she was the others were the the characters that Alison Jenny and Hugh Jackman play but was she more she was a composite of a couple of people on the newspaper or could you tell us a little about that yeah exactly I think uh there is a woman who Rachel was sort of loosely based off of um who I met with in New York which was nice and I got to kind of feel I got to hear her version of the story and um but it was, yeah, definitely the actual event itself, I think, um, was the the student paper collectively. But Mike just kind of, you know, used Rachel as the opposite. It's such a great story. I mean, what, what happened to the people that uncovered this story? I, I hope they ended up getting great jobs at the New York Times or something. Yeah, I think she did. Uh, she, uh, the woman who I met with yeah the the new york times was interested in her and she i believe yeah worked for them for a while but now she's pivoted and is in a different job but is very successful but um absolutely it was uh i think all those student journalists had a lot of opportunities after that hugh jackman he was surprised that you were australian um and enormously impressed with your talent so what was your experience like with him oh my gosh (laughs) <laughs> um Hugh Jackman well I of course I, I first met him at the table read and was terrified I think especially so because he's such a huge figure to Australians I mean he's he's the one really so I was very afraid <laughs> making a fool of myself and he just instantly put me at ease he told me about how his daughters had watched Blockers and just, and then started telling me about his kids. You know, he's just the most lovely, charismatic person. So it was nice because then I wasn't, I didn't have anything to be nervous about on on set. And um, I mean, he's just, there's a reason he's friggin' Hugh Jackman. He's just so unbelievably talented and and good at, at what he does and he really brings a a wonderful energy to set I mean he's you know tap dancing and and singing and he's uh he taught me backgammon once in between 
setups, which I, yeah, so, he, you know, I knew how to play ga- backgammon for like 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he and his wife play it every day. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, why are you so good at this? <laughs> so good at so many things. It's really not possible. Like, he's just so talented. <laughs> Did you have a special bond being an Aussie? Did you feel like it was it, it was a different bond than you've had with other well-known actors you've worked with? I'd like to think so. I I think there is just a kind of innate comfort comfort in in knowing that we're both Australian. And Deb Ra Debs is uh, she has family from Newcastle. So when I met her, she was like, well, "What are you doing here, a gal from Newy?" Um, so that was nice and it, it, you know, it just does. And they're in New York and like, it just felt really, yeah, really easy. So the one question I always ask everybody in the podcast is what, what's your theory on why so many Australians have been so successful in Hollywood? <laughs> Something in the Vegemite. <gasps> You're starting a new rumor. <laughs> <laughs> All Australian actors are sponsored by Vegemite. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. I think it's a mixture of the like, laid back uh easygoing personalities I think it makes I think it makes people want to work with you because I think Australians have a good sense of humor um I think good work ethic but also not taking ourselves too seriously um Mm. and yeah, I feel like sometimes it's somewhere in the middle between like British actors and American actors are Australian actors <laughs> in a way. Well, for a small country, we're pretty, you know, not just in front of the camera, but we have, you know, incredible cinematographers and directors oh, yeah. and, you know, costume designers, everything. So mm-hmm. it, it's pretty remarkable that a country the size of ours that we've taken over. That's very true. <laughs> so when you were named uh, on Hollywood Reporter's next-gen talent list... Mindy Kaling even sent out a little tweet congratulating her quote unquote little sis. <laughs> How the heck did you become Mindy Kaling's little sis? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's funny. I mean, I've never, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know, but happy to be here. I mean, I've actually, I, I still haven't met, still haven't met her. You still haven't met? No. Oh, that sucks. I feel. Like we were close, but um, no, we haven't we haven't met just uh, online interactions, really. And because she's good friends with Ike Barinholtz, who was in Blockers, and there was an Instagram story that she put up. She's like, "Everyone watch Blockers. Like Ike's in it. Oh, and I heard there's like an Indian girl in it." <laughs> and then I replied, being like, "That's me. Oh, I'm the Indian girl." <laughs> and then we kind of, <laughs> and then she was like, "Oh, it, her name is Geraldine. This is." This is her Instagram. So that's kind of how it began. But yeah, I mean, talk about full circle moments. She's um, just been, she's always been such a huge inspiration. I feel like her, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler in my, in my little teen years were my idols. And um, I read her book and I watched her show and I just, uh, she really did so much for, the the community so um it's really it's very surreal that she even knows (laughs) who I am 
finally, I know you have another movie coming out this year called The Broken Heart Gallery, which just sounds beautiful. Oh, yeah. And also that stars another Aussie, Dacre Montgomery, mm-hmm. who did my podcast. Oh. What can you tell us about that? Oh, yeah. So uh, The Broken Heart Gallery, That's it's a rom-com. It's um, about a gal in New York who is, uh, she works at an art gallery and um, has her heart broken and she kind of has this habit of collecting monuments from relationships, especially broken relationships. So um, she then decides to use that in a more productive way and she creates uh, a gallery of objects and and memories from broken relationships and then invites other people to contribute and and she uh meets a little a little Dacre Montgomery on the way <laughs> that was another nice coincidence now you're starting to interact with other Australians in your role that's first true. you and then Dacre that's true yeah are you interested in going back to Australia and working there now that you're established here or are you just wanting to stay here and keep going. I mean, absolutely. I would love to um I I would love to kind of be able to straddle both both things and I think that yeah, it's just a matter of of what comes up and I hope to to soon start making my own things in Australia as well. I would love to go back and reconnect with all my my people there and um yeah, make make some stuff there as well. I interviewed Danielle McDonald at one point mm. and she moved to America because she literally didn't even get an audition in Australia for a year mm. because they, people, she didn't fit a particular type. Yeah. Um, and over here, there's just so much more room for all types and everything. That's true. So I wonder if you had um, an experience like that, that made you more determined to come here. And do you think that that, that's changed in any way back home or do you feel like you could go back and and play a role that doesn't have to have you know a description of you being a certain color or a certain yeah race or yeah I feel like it was always pretty clear to me that if I wanted to to be a working actor that I would go to America um just because I did feel more there I mean of course there are more opportunities it's a it's a huge industry here and um and I think with that people are willing to take more risks and be think outside the box you know so that was always my goal and I think now that I'm here I'm like I would all you know I I love Australia and I would love and I love the industry there and I would love to be able to to do both and I do think that the industry is evolving I mean it's not just I mean this is kind of without thinking about COVID, I guess. Who knows how that's going to impact everyone. But um, I guess before the world shut down, I was feeling that America, how diverse the the work is here, I think it's, it goes to show that it it is what audiences want to see and it's it can be successful and it's um, it's part of what makes film and TV so compelling seeing ourselves on screen and and feeling seen and and reflected back so I'm glad that that 
we're moving in this direction. And I think that there's still a ways to go, but yeah, it's really nice just auditioning for things now. And it's, I'm auditioning with people of all races. It's not all just girls who look like me. It's just so much um, broader now and it just matters less unless it, it matters to the story. And then of course it's more specific, but if it's about just a, a gal in, in 2020, then it can be anyone. I know you're a very private, so you don't have to answer this, but I'm, I'm just curious from the point of view of an Aussie girl over here, your, your boyfriend for the last few years is, is sort of Hollywood. His parents were Hollywood royalty, Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins. And I wonder for an Aussie girl coming into that environment, yeah, what that's been like for you. I feel very blessed. Um, I, th- I think, hang on, let me, see. I think he's like in the kitchen. <laughs> you don't want to rave about them until, <laughs> you know, they're not listening. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he's looking for something. Oh, sorry. No, 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 you're good. <laughs> he's looking for a vacuum. Oh, the how glamorous. And, right? How the other half live. <laughs> but no, it's, you know, Miles and I met on Blockers which was my first film and I feel that movie just really changed my life in in many ways and I feel very very fortunate and um we've been isolating up here so that Susan can join us so soon she'll become a part of the isolation crew they're a very special very inspiringly generous family and so yeah it feels very lucky that they feel like my American family at the moment. Well, that's great. I'm glad you're with family. And um, mm. I really want to thank you for taking time out yes. to talk to us. Um, it's been great. And you're only, what, 25? Yes, I'm 24. 24. Oh, that's right. 25 in June. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so who knows in the next 10 years, if we talk again, how many more amazing experiences you'll have had, right? Oh, that's nice to think about. It's a positive <laughs> outlook on the future. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Well, I hope so. I'm, I hope that we'll get to see each other in person for the next podcast. Yes, that'd be great. And good luck with Bad Education. For everybody who's anywhere in the world, it's on HBO right now. It's uh, coming up on Foxtel in Australia, uh, Sky in New Zealand, and all over the world. Thank you so much. Take care. No worries. Thank you. It's great hearing Geraldine's inspiring story, someone with no industry connections from such a diverse background who made it all on her own. She was also very generous with her time since I was a little technologically challenged on this one. I'm looking forward to seeing her next film, Broken Heart Gallery, whenever we all make our way back to the movie theatres. Until next time, that's all from Aussies in Hollywood. Aussies in Hollywood was presented by me, Jenny Cooney, and recorded in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Audio production was by Nick Slater, and executive producer was Jenny Goggin. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the app, or look me up on iTunes.